you've taken your first step into a larger world. The Force will be with you. Always. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a journey from the Phantom Menace to the rise of Skywalker. Now, here are your hosts, Calvin, Andy, and Wyatt. Hello there. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a chronological journey from the Phantom Menace to the rise of Skywalker, one arc at a time. I'm Calvin. I have seen a great deal of Star Wars. I'm Wyatt. I've also seen a a greater deal of Star Wars. I'm Andy, and <laughs> I've seen some Star Wars. You've seen a deal of Star Wars. I've we seen... saw some deals in this Star I've Wars. S- I saw some. I certainly saw. We deals. saw some deals go wrong in this Star Wars. I know, over and over and over, repeatedly. Yeah. We watched Solo. <laughs> yes, this week on First Steps yeah, of Star Wars did. podcast, we watched Solo, a Star Wars story. It's Andy's first Disney era Star Wars movie, which is funny because it's like <laughs> it's essentially the last so far. I know Rise of Skywalker came out after it, but like the after this, they transitioned mostly towards the Disney Plus stuff. Yeah. So remains to be seen when Star Wars will return to the big screen and with what. Isn't Taika doing a movie? There's a million people doing a movie. Taika Waititi? Yeah. Yes. I don't know how to pronounce it. Kevin Feige's pr- possibly producing one. Uh, Patty Jenkins. There's a bunch of shit on the, on the horizon, some of which has plot stuff, some of which doesn't, none of which mm-hmm. has actually started production, so none of it's real. Okay. Guys, our flag means death was very good. <laughs> Excellent I job. I still need to watch that. Bro. Bro, watch it and talk to me, because I got a yeah. lot of thoughts. Anyway, so yeah. I, I decided that for Starbucks, it's not going to be Han Solo. And I literally, like, debated over this for so long, because because here's my thing, right? Is This is just, like, one movie. And you'd think, like, well, this is the Solo movie, so you got to do Solo's drink, his Starbucks drink, but that feels wrong, because he's going to be in other stuff, and it feels like his other stuff... Like the originals is like what people know him as, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. know I him mean, for, for for the originals. You could do Luke, Leia and Han as their Starbucks for those three movies. Yes. So that is what I was thinking. I feel like also I could probably like double triple up. Like if I want to do like a lot That's of true. characters, yeah. um, like because I was also like, oh, what about Chewbacca? But I was like, no, I kind of want to wait until Chewbacca's more like. Not that he wasn't relevant in this movie, but it's like this is such a small snippet of like what they're going to be. I have people go on friend dates to Starbucks. You know, what are they getting? <laughs> what? Are, yeah, literally, literally like what are what they getting? What is, is their the conversation about? Um, so I think we're going to do uh, Kira's dress yes. because I don't think I've never heard of her before. Yeah. Um. I don't know if she's relevant outside of this, but I thought she was cool. I was very into her character. Um, Amelia Clark. Yo, the cast in this film, popping. Mm-hmm. Po- oh, Bonkers. Oh, oh, man, I actually should have done um, Do- D- Donald Glover. <laughs> I should have done his drink. Lando. Donald Glover's Lando. Have Kira and Lando go on a friend date. They're both still alive. Okay, well, you guys will have to help out. me come up with Lando's drink, though, because I didn't okay. come up with one. So, so... 
Whatever he gets, gets, he's going to get his coffee cup wearing a little cape. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. The, that, the Closet. It, excellent, excellent film. I, personally, <laughs> I was a fan. <laughs> I was a fan of this movie, you guys. Um, so, Kira, I think she would get a dragon drink, which is like a mango dragon fruit-like mm-hmm. drink, blended up with uh, vanilla sweet cream cold foam. Because I was like, it's kind of cool. Like, it's this, like, kind of bright purple drink. So I feel like she's kind of edgy and, like, but she's, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But the energies match. The energy of that beverage. It's very, like, cool, but also sophisticated, but also pretty, but also quirky. So definitely I was thinking that one i don't know what lando would get i think lando would get something garish no like something kind of complicated oh yeah 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 he's probably getting like the ice latte with like four pumps of hazelnut three pumps of toffee nut oh definitely an ice latte yeah so like and like the biggest size like he's definitely doing like a venti ice latte with yeah, what did I say? Four pumps of hazelnut, like two toffee nut. He's doing six vanilla pumps in there. He's doing cinnamon powder on top, extra whipped cream, yeah, and caramel drizzle. Do you remember like twenty, like fifteen or so, when Starbucks had that unicorn frappuccino? Yes, I do. Oh, absolutely. If he could get the the unicorn frappuccino, he would get the unicorn frappuccino. Who says it's not twenty fifteen in space? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. The, movies, the movies themselves. It's it's a long time ago. No, twenty fifteen. I was twenty fifteen was like the year that Force Awakens came out. Yeah, yes. no, that's this so movie long. came out when we were in college. Yeah, like after proper freshman in college. Year. Yeah, I believe this came out the like right after the Last Jedi because it it came out in May. Yeah, and it kind of interrupted the flow of like December Star Wars movies. Which honestly, I mean, like May is the more appropriate month for Star Wars. Well, and there were a million. I think it was the final domino of delaying Force Awakens to December. I think it it was the initial thing that set everything off on a chain that ended up with Force Away or with Last Jedi and Solo really close together, which led to all of its uh, box office problems. Yeah, this movie did not do well, like relatively <laughs> speaking. It is a shame because it's really fun. <laughs> I really enjoy watching this movie. I had a fantastic time. Like, I genuinely, I think, so I feel like I am coming at it from the perspective of I don't know Han Solo at all. No, this is genuinely this helpful to you. You are the only person on the planet learning about Han Solo from this movie. This is, yeah. I thought about that while watching it. I was like, basically everyone else has has some cultural expectation of Han Solo. And you are taking this movie at face value, which is fun. Yeah, and I I liked it. I thought it was really, like, I genuinely was like, this is an excellent movie. I think, I mean, first of all, first of all, action-packed, like, so the action was really good, and I'm not someone who likes fighting a lot. And so what I liked about this is a, is is the the heist of it all. Yeah. <laughs> like that's This is so a heist fun. movie. It's Ocean's 11. 
And I mean, first, like like I was saying, like stellar cast, absolutely stellar cast. Oh um, Woody Harrelson in particular, like always slept on, but like popped off. Yeah, I'm not a big Woody Harrelson guy, and I can't say I'd enjoyed him much in my previous watches of Solo. I find Beckett a little forgettable, but I enjoyed him a lot in the, for for some reason. Yesterday, I was like really into him, and because I, I I think I don't know. Sometimes I lose, sometimes I don't have a very good span, uh, attention span. And if I lose track of the movie, he's the one that gets sort of left to the side because yeah. all the other characters are are more memorable to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's a he's the mix of the he's the mentor archetype, but he's also the like we've seen a million of this character, but it's fun. I liked honestly, I think giving him a wife, even though they killed her, was a fun twist on the like, you can't trust anybody is I sleep with my gun in my pants guy. Yeah. I th- I thoroughly enjoy it. I'm like terrible. I don't even know. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's also going to be true of every character he ever plays. I mean, this is space. I have the little Lego oh. figure of him and the Lego hair is different enough that I forgot how like long and floppy it is on Are the one side. Are we talking about side. Han Solo? I thought no, you were talking about Beckett. Beckett. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was like, yeah, he's just going to look bad. Uh no, no I, love I that like man. Han's ridiculous seventies hair. I, lo- I was gonna yeah. say I love Han's hair. I don't. I, yeah, yeah. Which once again they do that thing that I hate, where they just give all the characters the exact same hairstyle to scream in your face. Hey, this is the younger version of that character. But yeah. for Han, I mean, he he basically puts his hair out of his face in a in an easy way, and it seems low effort, like. I mean, yeah, you're right. Did you have a similar haircut at 14 as to you right now? Uh, I mean, I just keep. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't get if my haircut. If we flash back to young Calvin. You know would that you... I haven't had that. I get my haircut like <laughs> once every seven months or so. Yes, I know. Like, you I do have variation. So, like. You know, you could go back to third. You could go back to fourteen on me, and sure, at some point during my freshman year of of high school, I would probably have this hair. But I probably would have had shorter hair than this at this point, or you know. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, in this case, it's the since it's a recasting of a Han Solo who is an adult, you got to keep the hair, otherwise, it's just a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Although I was noticing this is just a trope that I hate in general. Yeah, like I'm not hitting on solo for it. When we like, get to Force Force Awakens, is my favorite slash least favorite version of it. Although there's a there ends up being a story reason for it, but I think I think it would be so. So if the hairstyle was more specific, I would agree with you. I feel like if like yes, because if it's I mean, like it does, a really I, weird. Like white is correct where it does match his character for it to be just like a yes. you know, pushing the hair. My hair doesn't really do it that well. I am it's... now roguish. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Literally. I don't um, give a shit about my looks. I'm a scoundrel. Exactly. It was so silly though. There's in that the like towards the end of the movie, he's like, I'm not a good guy. I'm a terrible person. It was like, yeah, yeah right. That, that line I was like, oh god. LOL. Some of the writing is Incel did, some of the writing was definitely like yeah. my but main problems with this good. movie basically all stem from the writer who's a nepotism hire. Ooh. Mm. Um, John Kasdan, son of Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote The Empire Strikes Back. Um, oh, okay. And it, actually, an interesting thing about the production of this movie that, Andy, you will not know, having not being 
not giving you were blissfully not giving a shit about Star Wars when this movie came out is that it was originally directed by the Into the Spider-Verse guys, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Oh, and then they got fired. (laughs) Oh, people think because they were they were about to delay the movie like it was taking too long to make and they were going to run into a delay and they had such a tight schedule that they they fired them and brought in Ron Howard, who is an old friend of George Lucas, who is and like Steven Spielberg and directors of that era. And he reshot a lot of the movie. The one I can tell that I'm pretty sure we know was definitely a Lord and Miller scene was when Han and Chewie first meet and fight and they're talking. They're both speaking Wookiee <laughs> like that felt tonally and stylistically different from the rest of the movie to me. And that's the one where I can tell, okay, that that is hilarious. And that's those guys. I've seen enough of their movies to know that's their sense of humor. Yeah, I don't even know where to start. I'm like, man, how do we even talk about movies on this podcast? Well, let's, I mean, should I we go I through it just... plot-wise? Like sort of go planet to planet? I mean, we kind of went character by character for the other three movies. That's true. I'm just going to start talking about things that <laughs> I liked. Yeah. And yeah, we can talk about characters. So mm. I like Kira. I definitely had, I was so sure they were going to kill her. The whole time I was like, she's going to die. <laughs> the whole movie. Well, I kept saying to my friend <laughs> I was watching it with, I was like, she's going to die at the end of the movie. I mean, you would have been, you're, you're, you would have been listening to the movie who had been slowly killing off all its women. Yeah, I was yeah. like, and I was literally like, no, she's going to betray him and then she's going to die. Yeah, this is just, we love to see a girl boss winning. <laughs> we love to see a girl boss winning. Okay, so she was cool. I just, I liked her. So it was really interesting. So they introduce her kind of randomly. He's like walking and then he runs into her and they kiss. And my friend went, yeah, there's, and I was like, whoa, pretty early for a love interest. And he was like, they're setting him up to be a player. And then I was like, this whole movie is about how he's obsessed with no. this one fucking girl. I, that, he does not seem like a player at all. The beginning of the movie is like, is basically, I mean, they live in a sewer, but it's like a high school. It's Jack and Diane. Like yeah. they're high school sweethearts. And I actually thought it was really impressive how they made Amelia Clark look younger in that scene. Like she looks years younger versus yeah. when she shows up later and i think it it's more than just it's how they shot her and how she acted versus just giving her nice hair i i i like the beginning scene a lot with the with them this han's stupid bluff of the weird monster lady and the car chase is great the car chase is so fun yeah i that- like also that unlike like in attack of the clones we have the speeder chase which is which is like a car chase but in in the skies but this is legitimately an actual car chase there's a motorcycle cop. There's like they're on streets. I, I thought it was really fun. Han's essentially it's a hot rod speeder. In this movie, I kept thinking about. <laughs> I was like. Han is Trace and Kira is Ahsoka. Hmm. Like that was the dynamic. Like, obviously, there's like a romantic thing. And I think there's a romantic thing with Trace and Ahsoka, too. But. There's this like, I want to be the best pilot and I'm yeah, I want to be this rogue, cool guy. And he's really not like if you actually look at. So so it's really fun, like when they run into each other after. So they do this thing. They split up. He has to leave her behind. It's very tragic. And that is like his motivation for the next couple of years. He's trying to get back to his planet and save her. And then we when they reunite, he hasn't actually 
done all that much growing. You know, he's no. still, to me at least, he seems very immature. He seems, he's very naive. He's just like getting into the game, you know, which they say, yep. they even talk about the game. And she's like, yeah, it's when not are we, to when are we win. watching The Wire? Actually, funnily yeah. enough, you, the, so Michael K. Williams, who was famous for The Wire, was originally going to play Dryden Voss. Oh, really? Um, And he was, I think... He was going to play like some sort of an alien version. And it was one of the things that got cut because they needed time. So they just like grabbed Paul Bettany off the street, stuck him in a in like easier, an easier costume and did the CGI thing with his face instead Mm -hmm. of using all the time. But it is funny for a movie that talks a lot about the game and the the underworld that one of the guys who's most from a show that's about the game was going to be in it. But I really loved that. I think there's a lot of, I don't know. I like that one. I like that the woman was the one who was kind of like powerful and smarter throughout this whole movie. Like Kira is the one with connections. And I get that, that she says like, oh, we all serve under someone. But like, she's like the most badass person out of that whole group that we roll with the whole time. Yeah. And it, I think... Beckett's last conversation with Han where he like basically lays out oh Dryden's dead and Kira killed him you don't know anything like he, I think yeah what knowing that was going to happen having seen this movie before I can clock when Kira decided to kill him which is when he sent her on the mission like she that was when she realized that it was no longer being like his lieutenant slash lover was no longer going to keep her safe and yeah. that meant he had to go. Yeah, so I really enjoyed this dynamic where Han is trying to impress Kira and seem like he's become worldly and badass and cool. And she like, she knows Lando. She's got all these connections. She knows all of this stuff. Like, she's a total badass who knows a shit ton more about the galaxy and the inner workings of the crime syndicates than... Like this dude was just like, yeah, what was he a stormtrooper? Yeah, he was bas- basically he was. They don't have him in. This is what roughly ten years after uh, Revenge of the Sith. Calvin? I want to say, oh, hold on, I don't have the Wikipedia page open right now. Hold on, please hold. It it's been a few years. You noticed uh, that 10 was ten BBY. Yeah, so, so there, you, there was a different Star Destroyer, which will be your first time seeing the classic one. The, the imperial ship that they that chased him down in the in the, yeah, in the yeah. maw that's that's the original star destroyer which i thought was funny that that's like it just appeared out of nowhere like you're supposed to know what it was for you <laughs> but so they do have like classic stormtrooper armor i think at this point but he was i think he was in an even lower unit like he was basically yeah yeah, yeah. he that he mattered even less than a he was a cadet yeah he also there were deleted scenes uh, that showed that he did go. He did join the Navy. It's a fun comedic beat that he ends up in the army. But in canon, he joined the Navy, went to the Imperial Academy and did something to get kicked out, which is when they yeah. demoted him to Stormtrooper. And he I kind of wish. That. Yeah, but I kind of wish that was left in the movie to just underscore again that he did learn how to fly. But he does demonstrate that pretty quickly that he knows. Yeah, yeah. I feel I think those that stuff is in the in the book at novel adaptation. Yeah, there's a comic like it was cut late. I'm pretty sure the, the Karita yeah. stuff. Uh, Karita, the name of the Imperial Academy is an old Star Wars name. It would have been cool to see that on screen. But 
We got Corellia, which is also an old Star Wars name, uh, the shipbuilding yes. planet. Um, okay. Which was fun. What else did I like? I like Han. I thought he was fun. I was like, this is like a really, this is a such a, what a silly yeah. guy. Alden, what a silly, goofy guy. I cannot for the life of me say his last name. Uh, Alden Eichenrock or uh, Reichenbach, whoever. Yeah. I can't say his name, but the Alden actor? who plays, yeah, who plays Han, who's recasting Harrison Ford, most iconic actor of his generation, does a fantastic job with the character of, of Han Solo. And I think this is the best, as a Han Solo movie, that's the best thing I could say about it, is mm -hmm. that it truly gets Han. Like, I could say that knowing Han from the original movies, you don't know that yet, but I think you'll be satisfied with the through line for his character set up in this movie, and that you won't see a completely different guy when we watch the original Star Wars. I One of my biggest fears going into this movie was uh, I was worried that this was going to be like kind of like a James Bond movie where it is just like male fantasy like guys jerking themselves essentially you know like there were so themselves. many double entendres in this movie yes that absolutely. i noticed i was like what what am i watching i didn't know they i didn't know this was allowed in star wars <laughs> but i was really worried it was going to be like a male power fantasy like because i don't know i don't know much about han solo but i know that he's a cool guy i definitely know that like he thinks he's a cool guy. He's he's the guy that is like sexy, I guess. Um, and I was yes. really worried that this was just going to be like a dude who is badass and cool and sexy and awesome all the time. And and because this, here's the thing with Anakin, right? Because Anakin is kind of like that. But Anakin also fucks up all the time and he'll do shit where you're like, that's hella evil. And also Anakin can kind of be awesome and amazing and badass because everyone knows he's turned he turns into Darth Vader. So it's like. Yeah, However you have to set up the hero he for the fall. Yeah, so it, it doesn't feel as like <laughs> I don't know, like no. Anakin is not a power fantasy. Some people yeah. treat Darth Vader as one, uh, but Anakin himself, I feel like, is he's so much of the tragic Greek hero that yeah, it's, yeah. it's disconnected completely from modern action films. Like all of his successes are like tinged with sadness, and you really just can't turn that and into you can't make that sexy in the like in a no. macho way you no. know <laughs> and that i will say is was never the appearance of of hayden christensen's anakin and clone wars anakin was just a wasn't you can't be no. a sex symbol if you're on cartoon network and the audience is small <laughs> and so so that well that was my thing uh, that so that was my big fear with han solo is that it was going to be like super sexist and that it was going to be <laughs> Just just like a male power fantasy. And so I was so surprised to see that they introduced this like badass female character and she's really cool and really awesome. And. And the movie isn't Han Solo ends up showing off for his girlfriend the whole film, but instead Han Solo continuously fucks up and said girlfriend and other cast have to have to fix it constantly. Yeah, um, the secret sauce of Han Solo is that he's a bit of a loser. Is that he's a bit of a loser, and that made me like him. And even if he ends up being like a sexy, cool guy in the later films, at least I'll have the knowledge that he didn't. He wasn't always like this. I love. I I think my favorite comedic beat in the movie is when they're at the final showdown on the on the the uh, the beach planet, 
and he does this his whole bluff about hired guns on the Falcon. And Lando mm-hmm. doesn't even know he's doing that, but as if to underscore how mad he is at Han, he flies off and Han has to walk back into the standoff position and like with his tail between his legs. Like you talked about him being new to the game like that. That was my favorite. Like, OK, I'm not actually good at this yet. You take you take this one, Beckett. Yep. And it was it was just so it was cute. Like it was yeah. genuinely very cute. And then and then to see him shoot Beckett, it was like, oh, man's is growing. Man, yep. like b- baby boys growing up. And it's basically what Beckett thinks. He's like, shit, maybe I actually did find some sort of a worthy successor, basically. Yeah. yeah. So that was cool. I really like that. I think that this was seeing him kind of he's not just like hardened badass. He's like a stupid kid. And I really enjoyed that. It's a good it's 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 not even like and not to say Indiana Jones is like just is is a male power fantasy because, again, it's riffing on old things, but he's not even Indiana Jones like he's not he's not that cool yet. And it's not about like he can do he does one thing well in this movie, essentially, is he can fly. Yep. Yeah, he can fly. Yeah, that's the big difference between him and in Trace is that he actually is good at flying. Yeah. Um, he is. He's a gifted shout out pilot. To Trace, though. <laughs> I would argue a character we haven't really met yet is is the best pilot of this era. But he's certainly he he will certainly make he, he will make bold claims about his flying ability and mostly back them up. So yeah, so yeah, this this was good. It's a fun movie. What on your claim? On your claim of. Uh, the uh, like and i think you're right that the movie doesn't tell a sexist story around han this movie continues the legacy of george lucas well by having a gigantic problem with its female characters oh absolutely <laughs> and i'm not trying calvin, to say that you this need i, I calvin is to take the l3 section uh oh, as droid oh, guy i yeah. have a lot of thoughts about l3 yeah i let's have many talk thoughts about, about l3 too yeah let's do l3 because my complaint about val is just that she's she gets killed to make Beckett sad early in the movie, even if like the heist was going wrong, somebody had to die, but they killed the alien already. So like I, the alien who was voiced by John Favreau. Yes. Yeah. Same guy as pre Vizsla. Yeah. Love that. L3. I love L3. Um, I think that she's a very fascinating character. I think that an astromech droid who like, you know, gains self-awareness, like, you know, kind of in a similar way that, R2 is maybe on track to, but was also kind of like chaotic enough to like build herself up into something more is really, really fascinating. And I love her whole droid rights thing. It's really cool. It's just I don't like that she was killed off. Well, she was killed off in the middle of, you know. The thing that she wanted to do. She's like, I found my purpose. And then Shum dead. Same thing that happened to Ventress. For me, it's all meta narrative problem. Like it's all story problems. L3, the character is fine. Yeah. Dialogue doesn't really need changing in my in my mind. It's it's the way the story treats her. Yeah, she is funny. She makes jokes. I wouldn't even get rid of some of her weird like her. I think they're meant to show how close to organically alive she is like the i can't perform if you're looking at me and i 
and I have a Lando has feelings for me. Those lines, while I found that I find them a little bit awkward as humor, they're fine character beats, but the narrative treats them and her as a joke. Yeah, like they they make the effort to establish that relationship. But, you know, what happens? She gets trapped in a Falcon in a life of servitude after, you know, having worked to free herself from having to serve humans and also gets bartered away by the guy who she thinks loves him, who she is the closest to. It is as if Anakin Skywalker had ever bartered away R2. But, gets, but then he spends the entire time, those those early shitty droid Clone Wars episodes, he spent two episodes freaking out and trying to get R2 back. Yeah. And yes, then, but it's, it's like, but I feel like also with L3, L3 is like more like Obi-Wan and Padme than like R2 in a lot of ways. Like if we were talking about the relationship. Well, yeah, I'm talking akin, about like, yeah, making... I feel like L3 and Lando are as close to each other as Anakin and R2 are. Was but my in point. more, I get what you're I saying, in more, more of a different way. I think way. they're more, I think they're closer. I don't know. I feel like Anakin still very much like uses R2 as a droid. Like they're not, yeah. L3 is, is Lando's best friend and kind of his girlfriend like yeah. he's if yeah. he's legitimately in love with her he doesn't like anakin even though i anakin obviously does care for r2 the way i view it is like r2 is like a dog like r2 is like the silly puppy who like can do cool shit but it, but he's not padme he's not his obi-wan his best friend it's not padme his lover and but that's what l3 is to lando so the fact yeah that's fucked up. I didn't even think about that until you said that. The fact that Lando I just, wish just like they... barters her away is but fucked up. Barter, it doesn't make gambles, any sense. But, gambles but like, her away. It doesn't make any sense. I said barter. I just said leave gamble. her dead. Like yeah. she she dies. Don't have her be sentient. Have you have them load her systems into the Falcon. Maybe make a line about how there's a trace of her like programming in there. But don't explicitly have her in the ship working. She's one with the ship now. Ugh. That's my that is my least favorite decision. It is in the completely whole thing. antithetical to her entire character and all of her motivations. Like the droid rebellion scene is really, really cool because yeah. she's like, I found my purpose. I did it. Doom. And, and then that, she gets like me, a good death. That's how you can tell to me that this movie's a little bit of a mess on the production side is that there it just like that seems like we're describing two different things like and it, it unfortunately does as is often in Star Wars, it does disproportionately impact the female characters of the narrative. And that sucks. That is, I mentioned this to my partner last night when they got home after I finished the movie, where I was like, I really love 85% of this movie. And then 15% of this movie fills me with rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't like, understand. I don't want to dis, I, I have an enormous soft spot for this movie. We haven't even talked about my favorite part yet and favorite character, but... I do also don't want to let this movie off the hook for what I think are kind of callous writing decisions. I feel like I don't understand why if they could download her into the ship, why they couldn't just like download her into another body, you know, like, why could you not just rebuild her 
I mean, you, you have, absolutely you, can. The it's, answer it's, is fan service, and I can't yeah. elaborate. But for a but for fan service for a thing, you won't notice in in the Empire Strikes Back. Like you have to be like, and you're you're obviously many levels of Star Wars geek right now. But you got to be like so many levels of nerd to like the general audience who this movie didn't work for didn't get that bit. So it, it's like it's it's it, uh, meh. L3, L3 was the character that made me go, I think I might like droids. I yes. think, and don't get me wrong. I've and been I waiting think, for this moment since you shit on R2. <laughs> but here's the thing. And I think that like, but droids. I don't know how to explain it. L3 is, is such a, a person, you yeah. know, and it's like, you, you can't argue that she's not sentient and that she's to not you a i think person. you need droids to talk basically yes. um, no but l3 like l3 used to be an astromech droid which is r2's type yeah yeah yet she l still had sentience and she was still aware enough to make her own body honestly i think r2 just likes flying like he I think he I think R2 is a career like R2 is a, a career man. He likes his job. <laughs> I guess for me, it's it's about how and he likes the people that he's working with. It's about how they interact with the other characters. Yeah. But because well, you can't hear R2's words. But also R2 Andy's point about R2 sort of getting the hero moments that to this point aren't really earned are valid. Yeah. And that to me is like, I think part of the difference that you're saying is that R2 in the prequels doesn't always feel like actually a part of the narrative. He's sort of part of the the comedy and the action. He's part but of the Star Wars of it all. Yeah, exactly. Well, which we, having sort of experienced the original trilogy, which has R2 as part of both, yeah, is better. Whereas L3 is obviously a main, main, she's part of the gang. She, it's uh, the crew of this mission. It isn't Lando, Han, Kira, Beckett, and nobody. It's L3 is absolutely part. She's part of all their plans. Like it, I think I, I agree with you that L3 is so far the best integrated droid character into the story. For a well, non-droid yes. focused story, like not an R2 and 3PO buddy episode. Well, my thing with with R2 and like the thing that made me go like, what the fuck is there was a scene in Phantom Menace where R2, like, fixes the ship. Yeah, when, yeah. They're, when they're escaping Naboo, and then Padme is like, we shall, you know, honor this droid. Oh, he fixed the ship, and it's like, yeah, yeah he's that, gonna well, fix the ship. That is also a moment of pure fan service. That, like, that, it was just so stupid and so, like, asinine that, like, wow, he he fixed the ship. Like, if you're <laughs> See, a robot, if you're a machine the funny thing. <laughs> meant to fix the ship... You're going to fix the ship. And I feel like if that's in your programming, like regardless of what's going on around you, you're going to fix I think the, the ship because that's what you're supposed the, to do. That's your purpose. And so my thing with L3 <laughs> is that L3 like and like, sure, I'm sure R2 at this point, like now that we know like, oh, his memory hasn't been wiped and like he has the ability to like make real decisions, not just like cute, quirky decisions, but like L3 can go against whatever programming is there. You know, L3 can do whatever she wants to. And I think I it's do, I think she's re completely reprogrammed herself. Yeah, and so that's the thing. It's like it feels silly. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's definitely tough. It's definitely like a weird question. I I still have a hard time being like, yeah, droids are people. 
Because I don't know. I don't know. Well, because Star Wars I'm doesn't handle the droids or people question. That. They don't handle the droids or people question very well. Like the yeah. stories uh, uh, set up fascinating things, including this one, set up fascinating things for droids and don't do anything with them. Exactly. And I that's think really where a lot of Star Wars just like kind of falls short. Yeah. I think Calvin's dream, if you ever created something for Star Wars, would be a droid story. LOL. Wouldn't that be yes. funny? But yeah, but I really thought like the droids rights stuff was very interesting. I would love to hear more. I assumed that there would be like a something that goes into it. Well, hey, there was that one little droid that, you know, L3 first did and, you know, said, go free the other droids. That's your purpose now. And so that's yes. that droid's purpose. It's going to go also, free the other droid. Also, like it, it, nothing in this movie has any galactically galactic implications yet obviously han solo ends up in back in the main story but like this is just this is honestly it's very clone wars to me where it's just like a random bounty hunter episode yeah um, honestly it's like the ventress episode the just called bounty with the train heist and all just yeah. like just thinking about the aesthetics of it just as it's a it's none of our main characters and they steal a train Yes, true, except I will say I feel like I really like Enfys Nest and I feel like Enfys yes. Nest has has uh, <laughs> My significance on uh, the galaxy as a whole. Yes, because remember how I was talking all in Bad Batch, how I don't want a rebellion at that point. It's because I want that it does sort of line up with this. I We need groups like Enfys Nest to start like Enfys Nest is. Among the revolutionaries who to my mind is coded like socialists for the populist revolutionaries where like we're going to see the mainstream rebel alliance is also sometimes not that but like this is my jam she's not fighting the empire she is helping people by she's robin hood and she's and she's like 15 I was watching this and I was like, that's who I want to cosplay. I was like, I want to cosplay her. So like Enfys Nest for life. Um, yeah, I have. I she has unfortunately not showed up in a lot of content since really? Solo. Um, and that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, they honestly like they haven't been telling a ton of stories set in this particular era, like mm -hmm. 10 years between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Most of the content gets told a little closer to A New Hope. So I don't it's like there hasn't been an amazing story place to include her yet. But I would watch a series of her in the early rebellion. I would just watch I, I would watch anything with her in it. I find the actress is fantastic. Yes, um, I think that this is a really good flipping of the trope that. I think is best exemplified by this actress's character in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. where it's like you have the upstart young radical who you know comes from a group of exploited people want to change the world but but then they actually just take two extreme actions to enforce the or to spread these ideas and this is not that's something that harley morgenthau did but that is not something that empress nest does and i really like that about this character well and it's not something that the narrative says empress nest does either like the murders are okay <laughs> that's what the, like she's the good guy in this movie yeah. not huh like we are watching the bad guys is my i think the fun part of the the reversal at the end is like we're not watching the people like beckett especially after val dies is just doing this to stay in the game 
and keep it clear as debts. Han has the has the most altruistic thing is he still wants his life with Kira, but that just gets systematically torn down for the whole movie. I guess Chewbacca is just chilling. Nothing. Chewbacca doesn't do anything wrong. That guy's arms needed to come off. Um, I love <laughs> Chewbacca in this movie. He is just well, and Chewbacca freezes freeze the Wookies. Yeah. I really love how they so they make that thing. So they do that thing where they're all talking about like, oh, why they're why they're all in the game or whatever. And I I was said to my friend, I was like, this is what LARP is like sitting around the campfire <laughs> talking about your tragic yeah. backstory. Incredibly D&D, <laughs> incredibly LARP. Very, very D&D, very LARP. Um, well, because Haunt's at this point an annoying bard. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And and he translates what Chewbacca says. I can't remember, but it was something about like looking for he's his, looking for his family, his, his tribe. family. He was like, I couldn't I can't tell if it's tribe or family. Mm-hmm. And then and then Beckett's like, well, what's the difference? And do you know Chewbacca's married? I Is this in canon or in Legends? <laughs> yeah, they kept her in the aftermath books because he's one hundred and ninety years old. So he has he has an actual family on Kashyyyk. And he looks good. And he's uh. He also, I think, I think Beckett's right that he's both looking, he's looking for any Wookiees and he's looking for Wookiees he knows. But I thought, I think it was cool that he found Wookiees and then he still chose to stay with Han. Yeah. And he, but he didn't like, he didn't leave the Wookiees. He helped them and then he chose to stay with his new friend. Yeah. 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 That's one of my favorite things that this movie did to t- turn away from Han Solo's Legends backstory, which is roughly the s- same broad strokes. Uh, Kira was named Bria. Uh, Corellia wasn't as as uh, Corellia wasn't as dirty. He didn't get kicked out of the academy. But like broad strokes, Han Solo is the same. But Han and Chewbacca owed Han a life debt, and that's why they became partners. And I like that this turns them from that into a chosen family. Like yes, they are. They're there's some boys doing doing crimes and making their way in the galaxy. And it also. Yeah, and I like that it sort of introduces that part of Chewbacca's thing, I think, is that he needs to see the galaxy to find Wookiees. So I like that that's probably at the back of his mind every time they're doing something. It's like, can I help my people? And I I had never really considered that as an aspect of this era of Chewbacca's character, and I really like it. I also, uh, this movie was, will always have a soft spot for me by being scored by perhaps my favorite composer, John Powell. Y- yes, but should we go back and talk about Emphasis because I feel like... Yes, okay, sorry. We interrupted that to talk about Chewbacca. We did, yes. I was like, oh, like I kind of oh, want, I have more I do, things to say about Emphasis Nest, but I do you know. also, can I say one thing about Emphasis Nest? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, say, say um, whatever say, you want. Say as so much the, about Emphasis Nest as you the want. reveal, I think, plays to people like the reveal is that she's a girl. And I don't, I always interpret it that the reveal is that she's young. Yes. That's what shocks Beckett to me is he's like, I'm getting my ass kicked by a high schooler. So I was so confused. I was so confused. Is she in Canon 16? Yeah. She's 16 and 11, maybe. So 17 now. Fantastic. I had just been thinking I was headcanoning that because Aaron Kellyman looks young, but she's a kid. So when the reveal happened, I went to my friend. I was like, are we supposed to know who this is? I was like, dude, is she in? Because I, I thought it was like a reveal of like, oh, she's actually this character that you we, thought you the mall know. reveal was or something similar to the mall reveal <laughs> yes, was going to be in this yes. mess. 
Yes, exactly. So I was like, I was like, I'm sorry, are we supposed to, because well, the reveal was so dramatic. And I was like, who is this child? And I was like, are we supposed to know who this is? And he was like, no, she's just young. It's that she's a kid. And I was like, okay. She's a child of the Empire. Like I talked about in the Bad Batch yeah. stuff. She would have been, she would have been six when the Empire rose. She's a little, she's, she's younger than Omega. Weird. But yeah, oh, we don't know what Omega's doing at this point in the timeline, but Emphis Nest is younger than Omega. <laughs> she's, but yeah, so she's a badass. It was really cool to see her like group of fighters. I like that they were all very different. One of the things that is weird to me is like the Empire is like racist, right? And I was talk, I've been talking about that a little bit with my friend about how. I don't know if it's like, oh, the Empire has sort of colonized the galaxy, so they only are keeping, like, humans as fighters because the rest are the people under their rule. But I was like, I don't know. It's just weird to me that there's not, like... There's certainly an element of xenophobia. I think it's less yeah. severe than it was in Legends. Um, and they're not Earth racist, where, like, you will see now more people of different ethnicities work for the Empire. Whereas yeah. in the old movies, it was all British guys, which is why there's all a lot of British guys. <laughs> um, but they definitely kept that aspect of the fascist regime. And it's definitely they definitely other alien species a lot. And I think it is because the core worlds trend more human or like human looking. And all the cool aliens are out on the rim of the galaxy. And yeah, it's not a coincidence that Emphis Nest's crew and people that we will see taking up arms against the Empire are not always humans. And, uh, yeah, I, I, a thing that you that is not able to be noticed, but I know this because I'm a giant loser, is that one of Emphis's crew is a, the, a native of the world that Han was fighting on for the Empire. Wow, that's like... That's like an extra little layer of out. Yeah, you can't really see them when their battle scene is going on on. I think it's called Mimban, which is another old Star Wars, like old as balls Star Wars name uh, that got brought back into canon. That that race of native Mimbanese is who they were fighting on the planet and also in Emphasis crew. And it's a. I wish the connection was made a little more explicit because Han says to his commander, he's like, we're we're the bad guys like we this is their planet. And then it adds another layer, I think, to Hans deciding to. To help them, but not help them like he doesn't want to join up, but he does sympathize. Yeah. Yeah, he I mean, he, it's a pretty risky plan that he pulls off to both help Emphis get himself out of it and like initially he was trying to also save Kira. But yeah, Emphis um, Nest was so cool. I'm yeah. really excited for Rebels. I just want to yep. say about Emphis Nest. Emphis Nest leads a group called the Cloud Riders. Cloud, Storm, Tempest is Emphis Nest connected Ooh. to the Nihil? Absolutely. Not intended, but Nest. absolutely. It's a thing from the High Republic. But wow. that's a that's a Nile mask. That's got to be. Yeah. Um, uh, but also funny, the Cloud Riders is uh, an all, another old Star Wars EU name. It was the name of a swoop gang like the speeders they ride, but they were an antagonist group in an old comic. 
And I like the repurposing of essentially a biker gang with where they kept the aesthetics that made them look like the bad guys, like the cool antagonists. But then, no, they're actually the they're the they're the goodest guys we could have met. I'm now just thinking about how Kira literally literally left Han on red like she just looked at him and flew off in the the giant ship. That's one of my I I love Han just standing there dopey on the beach like, oh, damn, she really doesn't love me. Yeah. So so I love moments like showing up. Oh, Oh, yeah. Mall (laughs) Mall showing up in the end was crazy. That was so like out of left fucking field. But it's not. I mean, it is we it, for the saw, movie. It is for the, but yeah. like Maul going back to the criminal underworld. After- we saw Dryden Voss in the Siege of Mandalore. Like, yes, he was we did. one of the crime lords that Maul was talking to. And he was like, you must go into hiding, blah, blah, blah. That is also he- since season seven was made after Solo. That was a post like that was an addition from a new era into the old Clone Wars stuff, which was is cool interconnectivity. Yeah, I wasn't expecting him to be in this movie. So that was really fun. Um. <laughs> I I hope I don't think we'll see Kira again, but I would love to. I feel like they set it up so that we would see her again because they were like, come yeah, to death. They Premier. very clearly wanted to make a sequel to this. Yes. Yes. I, wish I will did. say that she has showed up again in a in comic, comics, which means yeah. to me that we're not going to see Amelia Clark as Kira on screen anytime soon, because that's how the publishing department works. And that's the characters they get to play with. Yeah, I will. I can't tell you any details. I will say she's still girl bossing. Yeah, I kind of my like, you know, tinfoil theory prediction. There's a show or they have like confirmed that they're developing a show about Lando. It's called Lando. We don't know any. De- we don't even know if it's going to start Donald Glover or we don't know if it's going to happen. But yeah, we don't know if it's going to happen. But my prediction for the plot of that show is it's going to be about Lando and Kira, Maul, and Crimson Dawn are involved. But we kind of mainly get Maul in like a crime syndicate. Yeah. I uh, lost my last I lost my last tinfoil hat Crimson Dawn theory, so I'm jaded. (laughs) Yeah. Well did you think he was gonna they were gonna show up in um Book of Boba. Okay. Yeah. Well they don't, so that's (laughs) spoiler, I guess, that Crimson Dawn doesn't show up. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, darn. Yeah. Drat. I did um, like uh, also this movie, another drink. We saw the pikes again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was so confused in the beginning. There, I was like, ooh, crime. I bet it's going to be the pikes. And then it wasn't the pikes. And then the pikes showed up. And I was like, there's the pikes. <laughs> I knew they'd be here. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's, there's so many, this movie connects best to this sort of like new era of stuff, Bad Batch, Rebels, like it, they keep throwing out things, they were throwing out things that made it clear that the, the writers did their research on the like continuity stuff. Yeah. Um, they, they should have spent less time on Wikipedia and more time getting good though. (laughs) More time on, um, (laughs) clear and it's i i'm so <laughs> conflicted because this movie does so many things i adore and so many things i hate it slaps so hard and then they make such slap. huge mistakes like such gaping mistakes that it's i mean it that's tough. that's star wars at the end of the day though i can't i i like i can't really be mad at this movie for any like in-universe things it does it's all I, like optics i hope that the originals are perfect mm-hmm <laughs> 
I hope that the originals I, are the I perfect think, so movie. They're, and I they're know they're not very going to good. be. They are genuinely, like, normal people loved them. <laughs> they were the biggest phenomenons in movie history at the time. Like, yeah. Star Wars broke movies. They Before that, the only block, the first blockbuster was Jaws, and then Star Wars took what Jaws did and redefined it. And so we'll we'll definitely talk a lot about we talked at the beginning sort of about our experiences with Star Wars. I'm going to talk to my moms about their experience. Like, I want to get I don't know if I want them to come on the show because it's just they don't have a a whole lot of stories about it. But I do want to talk to them about their experiences seeing the originals in theaters because it was a whole different time and an amazing experience for them. And they're not even nerds, really. They're just people. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else was I like dying to talk about? Yeah, there's just a lot of fun, fun, silly shenanigans. And I really I yeah, I really liked a lot of this movie. Like overall, it's pretty rewatchable also, too. I, I think it's a it's a good caper. I would say like the biggest my biggest issue is L3. And other than that, like there and then there are like minor things that I can kind of look past. Um, but will still personally irk me. But I think that I, I, I was pleasantly surprised because as I said, I came into this thinking it was going to be really bad and it wasn't, it was fun. I had a really good time. I like Han Solo. I think that that was what I was, I was really curious to know what introducing you to Alden's Han would make you think of the character pre Harrison Ford. I'm glad you like him. Because I, I think, I think he's Han, cute. He's kind well, of a Han's, sweetheart. Han's like playground reputation, essentially, as the cool one to as compared to Luke Skywalker, has become so exaggerated over the years and conflated with Indiana Jones that like I think it betrays who the character who the movies say the character is. And this movie does I think it's it's so smart that it doesn't get caught up in that. It doesn't care who you think Han Solo is. It knows who he is. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And it properly origin stories it to make it so that who who he actually is earlier. So even less experienced and less sure of himself than the Han Solo we will meet in A New Hope. I mean, he goes, he says to Kira, you don't know everything. And then proceeds to be a fucking dumbass yeah, and yeah, i love he does, it and he but he does show like some some aptitude he's got some instincts Absolutely. he'll he'll be his good in the plans game plans are good yeah he he's not bad he's not his bad. last plan is genuinely good he's pretty good the the bait and switch with the him having actually brought the coaxium to uh dryden's penthouse was i forgot that it was they need honest because i knew I knew the cases at the beach were empty, but I couldn't remember where the actual coaxium was. And I forgot he had the balls to walk in with it and expect to walk out with it. And that that is also my favorite. My like there's it's maybe number two on sort of just like fuck yeah in the theater moments uh, for the new Star Wars stuff was when they reveal that and Enfys jumps off the off onto the beach and uses her staff to smash everyone to her amazing choral theme. Now I'm going to talk about the music. John Powell is my favorite composer. Um, uh, Non-John Williams division. John Williams is a god. 
But John Powell did have a How to Train Your Dragon scores. And I, I love him so much. They're one of my like favorites. Kung Fu Panda and yeah, um, he's he's extremely underrated, should have an Oscar, but he puts his whole everything into this movie. And especially Enfys Nest's Marauder theme is awesome. Oh, actually, a fun thing. I that love we'll, the piano. Yes. Um, that comes in towards the end when yes. Kira's leaving. Absolutely. The piano, and in the scene before that, too, when yeah. they're like, when she's making her decision. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, um, you don't get a lot of piano a lot in movies. Unless, and not in like, Star Wars either. Doing it. And not in Star Wars. John Williams does not make it was a just whole so lot of jarring. use of the solo piano. And it was great. Um, And what was I? Oh, so speaking of John Williams, he wrote the main Han Solo theme. He he wrote it and then handed it off and John Powell took it and made the whole score out of it, which is a fun thing that is actually going to happen with the Kenobi series. John Williams yeah. has also written the main theme and it will be scored by another person. I think that's a fun because so, John Williams is older than balls right now. He's like 90. So uh, but I think it's really cool that he still wants to be involved in the franchise. He wrote all three sequel movie scores. Natalie and, Holt is the composer for Kenobi. Yes. But like, I, I love that we're still getting new John Williams stuff, even this year for Star Wars, because it's just that fucking good. <laughs> but I, I my favorite bits of the soundtrack are John Powell's. Yeah, the, the, honestly, that's probably one of the best things I could say for. And I like this new era of Star Wars, but one of the best things I could say about it is it's kept up the musical legacy. When we get to the Mandalorian, that's going to be crazy. For just music wise, because it's such a, a shift and so uh, catchy. I just want to watch it all. I think this this movie really like stressed me out because I was like, I want to watch Rebels right now. I actually was like, will they be mad if I watch it? And <laughs> a I was like, bit. maybe. Yeah, I was no, like, no. let's get through Kenobi. Like, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I feel like if we're watching Rebels, if I watch a couple episodes past what I was supposed to no, listen to, I can get yeah. away with it. But like, no. not Kenobi. No, well, so and, and actually, because there are some elements from Star Wars Rebels that will be present in Kenobi, I think it's good to keep the strict chronological here. We'll watch it the six weeks, actually the five weeks, and then we'll do. And I'm also really looking forward to Rebels. Rebels is, I think we'll see how it holds up for me this time. But right now, Rebels is my favorite of the animated series. It's it's damn good. Um, I. Uh, Clone Wars has just so much tied up in my life that I have a hard time evaluating it, but it is also sometimes a bit of a mess. And Rebels has just Rebels has some of my favorite characters from some of my favorite moments. I like the animation style. We'll see if you do. But it's I'm I've been really excited about Rebels basically since we switched onto getting some of the Disney era content with like Clone Wars season seven and Bad Batch mm -hmm. solo because Rebels DNA is in so much of it. Things that were introduced in like I can see Rebels in everything and uh, Rebels, I think, doesn't get its due all the time from the wider fandom. Um, and I'm excited to get into it. And I'm also excited as we're sort of properly now entering the Imperial era. I don't know if you noticed in this movie, not a single voice of a stormtrooper was a clone there. The, they, there are no more clones of stormtroopers in the broader galaxy at this point. 
We don't know exactly what happens to the clones, but we are in a different era now. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm um, sure so they're th off safe and sound somewhere else. Yeah, on Ahsoka's pony farm. <laughs> yeah, of course, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. I really like thinking about, you know, I thought it was really weird that Disney, like, rewrote the canon, but I think it's kind of cool that Disney was like, no. They it's were the like, only you way. guys, you guys, because I feel like they, they went too far and no one was like double cross and like cross referencing things. People were just like, writing a lot of shit. And I think it's cool that I feel like Disney is like, I don't know. Not that I'm not not I'm not a Disney lover, but I well, think that it is cool that now Disney is is trying to like even though these are all like different stories, it kind of is like a cohesive story in a way. And like they're with pulling each, it off better than I thought watching it in chronological order. With each new show and each new movie, it's like un unveiling another piece of the puzzle. Yes, which is why I'm really excited for Obi Wan, and I'm really excited to. Uh, Kind of the, share that with the you guys. Obi Wan Rebels Rogue One pipeline is going to be really fun. They're all completely different and about different things, but just the the concepts you will see throughout that, and then the original trilogy will, I think, it it because there it's just it what there were no shared universes, there was no publishing, there was no merch. The three movies of the original trilogy tell their own story on their own. You'll see, like obviously, because we have all the backstory from the prequel era, they're still connected. But it's going to be a little different than what you're talking about with this this sort of shared universe of TV and film. Um, I do one pet peeve. One pet peeve. Uh, it's still Lucasfilm. The Disney corporate like overlordship is is grossly exaggerated. But I that's why I always call it the Disney era. But I know exactly what you mean. And yeah. I think it's it's I think you're right as well, because. The only way they were going to be able to tell new stories, especially doing a seven, eight, nine after Return of the Jedi was wiping the slate clean. And as I and Calvin mention all the time, and we've continued mentioning in Disney era stuff, they're pulling in stuff from all eras of Star Wars and reinterpreting. And sometimes just if it was a good idea, they'll tell new stories in the new universe. And I think it's good because they can cut. Yeah, they can. Exactly. They can say if they're like, oh, this is good. We're going to use this. We're going to keep this or this is good, but we're going to change a little. And then if something is bad, like original, like slave Ahsoka, they can be like, that doesn't <laughs> exist. That, that, uh, that, does, the, that uh, didn't happen. And that's great. That's yep. awesome. Their their ability to pick and choose the good bits of Legends and also some of the wackier bits, which I, I deeply respect. Um, <laughs> you gotta respect it. I, I I like that they are not afraid to take. I mean, Mimban is a planet that comes. We didn't really see a whole lot of it in this movie, but comes from easily the worst Star Wars book of all time, which isn't its fault because it was written right after the first movie. So nobody's characterization is correct. Um, and also, Luke and Leia aren't siblings yet. <laughs> so <laughs> that's weird. Yep. But hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yes, it's so do people not like this movie? It is probably the least liked of. No, that's not true. It is the least liked for real reasons of the Disney era movies. Yeah, it's it's probably it's it did not get its due either with reviews or at the box office in term in comparison to the others. 
even in direct comparison to Rogue One, its closest contemporary. There are a lot of people who don't like it for a variety of reasons, most of which don't have to do with what we've like. Everyone generally loves the cast. There are a lot of people who dislike it for the reasons we talked about not liking stuff in it. I think a lot of people just think it wasn't some people. It didn't grab them. It wasn't that fun. It felt trite. It 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 like it didn't work for them. It has always worked for me and Calvin and now you. I think that it doesn't feel as wacky and fun as some of the other Star Wars things. It feels a little darker and a lot of like, especially in that scene where they're like in the battlefield and like the fucking trenches. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, though, that is that is a comedy beat immediately after like you were going to have you flying and then cut to World War One. Yeah. So I like that there's a little bit. There is the lightness even in the like fucked up war of it all that it's I I. I do love that transition. Don't get me wrong. This isn't like dark death, doom, disaster. No. But but it definitely, but even like the funny stuff is funny in like a darker way than sometimes just like the pure, like lighthearted, wacky, like family. Like this movie felt a lot more like PG-13, PG-17 than how like some of the other, than like Clone Wars is like, I totally agree with you, and I think it is the one that feels the... Uh, it and Rogue One definitely feel the most sort of, like, adult of the of the new Star Wars movies, yeah. and of Star Wars movies in general. I, I think Revenge of the Sith also gets its sort of, like, gravitas and seriousness across in a way that it was the first movie, I think, to get a PG-13 rating for mm-hmm. Star Wars. Yes. Um, it, no, it was the first movie ever to get PG-13. That is not true. <laughs> I just I straight up know I straight up know that. <laughs> I I know that cuz cuz George's buddy Steven Spielberg caused PG-13 with Gremlins oh, yeah. in the 80s. Oh, that movie is definitely PG-13. It wasn't, which I is why they invented movie. they invented PG-13 cuz Gremlins was too fucked up. No, yeah. I was watching it at like 9 years old and that that shit fucked me up. Anyway, that's what the movie board said. They were like, "Oh, the Calvins of the 80s are now traumatized. Traumatized. Anyway, <laughs> back to Solo. I I feel good. I feel like I'm glad I you talked liked about it. everything yeah. I wanted to talk I about. I thought you were going to hate it. Honestly, really? I was not I was not sure. Well, I I didn't know if Han would land with you, and I thought if Han didn't land with you, you would just not be particularly into the movie. Yeah. It took um, me a minute. It took me a minute. I didn't like him at first in we that first also, couple just scenes. A, a quick bit. We I don't think gave Donald Glover's Lando enough due. He was great. Oh, he was excellent. He was fantastic. Donald Glover is perfect in everything that he does. My thing and I guess my thing is like there's no problems with Lando, so I don't no. feel the need to Lando's, talk about it. Lando's great. I do also one my one of my favorite Lando comedy Chronicles. bits of the movie is that Han, who we know I, I I guess like the movie is telling you is going to be the eventual owner of the Millennium Falcon. Is the owner of the Millennium Falcon. Is the owner of the Millennium Falcon. (laughs) Gets the Millennium Falcon in pristine condition and on one test drive destroys it. Oh, yeah. Right. They ripped that little front bit off. He jettisoned the escape pod to make it look like it's supposed to. He broke the landing gear. It's missing most of its plating. (laughs) I would like to say that. 
that's my first time seeing the Millennium Falcon, right? Yeah. Yes. This that's is, big. you know, these Did you know what it looked like big. before? So if you had been like the Millennium Falcon, I would have been like, mm, that sounds familiar. I But seeing the ship, I'm like, oh, like I've seen that ship before. Yeah. The classic hamburger shape with the two prongs out the front is, yeah. is like it shows up in other sci-fi stuff. Sometimes there's you've probably seen parodies like including it. Yeah, there's like I've seen it. My my um dad has like a birthday card with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I was I've, curious. I've seen it before. I really love the Falcon reveal in this movie. Another great music moment. And I was wondering if it would land for you. It'd be, or you, if you'd be just like, why are we spending so much time looking at this ship? <laughs> no, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is the. Yeah, that's I think it's like fun when there are introductions to things that are supposed to be like. And this is from the original trilogy. And it uh, and you're getting it. And it's like, <laughs> lol. Hi. <laughs> like this i don't yeah know why this is important that's but part of it was important there, and that's cool there are some callbacks or what will eventually for you just be things han says or things han does <laughs> that i wasn't sure i was i was very curious how this the most fan servicey expecting you to have seen the originals movie worked and i'm i'm glad that it like i'm glad that you like it it's probably a, a good endorsement point in the movie's favor that it worked for you who had never seen the originals. It's a, it's a, it's a point in favor of it, its own ability to stand on its own. Yes. But I will say that if the people who had watched the trilogy and all the other movies first watched this and didn't like it, that is kind of like, eh, well, if you made the movie specifically for those people, that's kind of bad, but I'm glad you can it worked never for me. please those people. <laughs> I guess that's very true. That's that, true. I, Their expectations are always, uh, I think, for me, I think older audiences would have had a more of a problem with the recasting and younger audiences wouldn't have given as much of a shit about the original movies. The younger audiences love the prequels <laughs> um, in, in large part. So I think it that's where it missed like the general audiences and didn't make enough money. But I, I like I said, I, I believe this movie understands Han Solo. And I think when you see the original movies, it'll it'll bear that claim out. Star Wars is so fun, you guys. Yeah, now we get now we're going to get live sad man in a desert. Oh, and the fact that he was like, yeah, and now they're going to Tatooine, right? Like, that's what we're supposed to assume. Yeah, in big the shot movie, gangster. Right? I, I, I believe that's implied to be Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, that's definitely got to be Jabba. Well, but, but also we know that it's got to be Tatooine because that is what what's he his says. face said he was like he was like i'll be on tatooine because of the yeah. big shot and then he was like i'm going to go to the big shot and it's like well the only I, big shot gang, big shot gangster on tatooine is job of the hut so yes so you can you can you can infer that he is going to, so that's cool i'm i'm sure that has to do with the originals yeah but also it, it's been established that they this universe han han's sort of han's best shot in the criminal underworld because he sucks at most other things is to be a smuggler and if you got to smuggle for the big cartels crimson dawn is in a leadership crisis uh the he should probably not go look at a pike right now because he did shoot up kessel <laughs> um so gotta go work for the huts black sun is all dead 
Yeah, Black Sun. Black Sun as a player in this era, ironically, I think is is completely gone and has been replaced by Crimson Dawn. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, so we have now we have emo. Yeah. Edgy, edgy boy, edgy sand boy. We're gonna do a a first for the podcast, right, Calvin? Yeah, we're actually covering we get to cover Kenobi Live. So next time on First Steps of Star Wars Podcast, we'll be covering uh, the first episode of Kenobi. Yeah, because we finally managed to hit a point where actually releasing Star Wars matches up perfectly with where we are in the chronology yeah. so that we can show it to Andy. And we've been blasting through this in order we could in order that we could get to it live. Yep. So we're going to be bringing Kenobi to you weekly episodes every in reaction to each week of Kenobi for yeah. its six episode run. And five weeks, six episode run. And then we will be taking a bit of a break. Yes. Because we deserve one. It's been kind of like a weird, like we're going to be kind of like a real Star Wars podcast. Yeah, I mean, this this is sort of a real Star Wars podcast. Like we definitely are, but I feel like a lot of like. We're certainly going to get to do with a lot of other podcasts do. What Calvin and I went on Gold Squadron to do uh, was react to live episodes. And I think it would be cool it's gonna be cool to get to do that ourselves we will we, i'm I mean, joking we won't be able to join the discussion in in exactly the same way as everyone else but whereas like you can't listen to anyone else's kenobi episodes <laughs> but we're gonna get to it is gonna be fun and cool and probably good for our metrics that will be will be reacting to the hot new thing I'm excited. Yeah. So is it one episode that we get to watch next week or two? I believe it's t- given the first episodes of the other live action shows would not be shocked if there's not an amazing amount of content to discuss. Yeah. But just to be clear, so so episodes one and two drop and I can watch them both together. Yes. Yes. They will drop okay. on the same day and we're going to we're going to we're going to discuss them in two different recording sessions to sort of give each their due. But we are going to be okay. able to watch them both. Yeah, because because that was my thing is I was like, well, I don't want to I don't because I knew that two was dropping and I didn't want to not be able to watch oh, the second no. one. No, 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 it's, so. it's, it's not that we just want to have two separate recording sessions to because it's going get... to be long ass shit to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just on so. the off chance that we get so much content and have so much to yeah. talk about. Yeah, that's fine. Thank you for listening. As always, uh, Disney, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I am. You can find me. You can find me through our Instagram. Yeah, DM us. DM us. I would be happy to set Mickey up an Mouse, interview. Andy, you're hired. <laughs> you're hired, kid. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. I'm so excited to get to watch Obi Wan and like share in that with the rest of the world. So the return of the prequel actors. Woo! May the force be with you. Swag. Thank you guys for listening to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. You can find us on Facebook at First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, on Twitter at First Steps SW, and on Instagram at First Steps Star Wars. You can stream us on any of the major podcast handles, and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thanks a lot.